Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Are you guys awake? All right. I know Jesslyn is. I can hear her singing behind me. You have a good voice. You have a pretty voice. It's really, really, really calming. And I know you like to get hyped up on energy drinks and all you got to do to stay awake after your night shifts, but you have a good voice. It's good. No. No, it's good. There's, there's more to your voice that God wants to do. And I'm not talking about just singing. There's a love in you. There's a, there's a compassion in you. That you see people every day that need hope. Your voice matters. And I know there's a, as a nurse, there's a place and a time you can speak when doctors are around and all that kind of stuff. But... You have a voice from the Lord. He's going to use that voice to help and bring hope to so many more people in your life. The devastation you felt and you've experienced in your short amount of life on this earth, God says, I'm going to take it and I'm going to turn it around for some good. God says, get ready for, to, experience, to walk through a door called good. Get ready to walk through a door called good. And it's not because you did it. Or you dreamed it, it's because God just loves you. And he wants to show you that. And your voice is going to be a voice to your family. Your voice is going to be one of those voices that your family will hear and they will begin to sense God's speaking to me through that. God's talking to me through that. So don't let anybody silence that voice of yours, okay? God bless you, Jess. Mm. You guys good this morning? Well, that's a way to open up the sermon today. (laughs) Praise God. Listen, I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28 and then also put a note in or a pen in or a marker in wherever you are looking at your Bibles at on your phones or your actual Bibles um, or on the screen. We're going to also be in John 17. Going to be in John 17 as well. Listen, I want to say thank you real quick to everyone who contributed last week to the uh, earthquake relief efforts for Turkey uh, through Michael Turner's ministry. Uh, you all gave uh, just over $927 last week for that. Praise God for that. That is amazing. And that was sent off this week uh, to his ministry to begin to uh, help continue to bring aid and support to the believers there. Uh, to help the church regain momentum and strength and be a, continue to be a light and a place of hope in a dark world. So thank you for that. Listen, I don't know all of the, what God's up to. I just know he's up to something. I just know he's up to something. And, and, and I have, just have a feeling, I have a hunch, I have a sensation in my heart that, that if we'll if we will allow ourselves and give ourselves some permission to go a little past what we're normally accustomed to, um, what we've kind of grown into routine with, that I think and I believe God will do some greater things in our lives, more than we ever thought was possible. And, um, and so anyways, with that, I, I want to I pick up in a, in a message series that we started a couple of weeks ago about the new life core values. These values, 
you got to have something you value in life. And, in the, and what you value has to, matter to the, has to come from God and matter to the Lord because then it will matter to us and we'll be able to stick with that. These, these core values that we talk about and we believe help guide us as a church. They help kind of keep us out of getting stuck in ditches, if you will, and, and staying on the right path. And um, they speak to who we are. We, we talked about kingdom-minded and Last week we talked about being discipleship driven. Those are some values that speak to our identity in the Lord and, and, and being, a, and being in, in hot pursuit of following Jesus. Today we're going to look at one called the Great Commission. Anybody ever heard of the Great Commission? Let me see your hands. You heard of the Great Com- Let me see your hands if you've heard of the Great Commission. Yeah, the Great Commission. It's in Matthew chapter 28. And let's, it's out of the message that I'm going to read today. So let's take a look at that together. Chapter 28, verse 16, this is right after, uh, this is uh, post-resurrection Christ, Jesus. He's resurrected, he's not, quite, he's not ascended to heaven yet, but he takes about 40 days and he's visiting with his disciples and he's talking to them and reassuring them of some things and explaining some things to them again. And his is, this is what's called the great, the title is called the Great Commission. He says, meanwhile, in verse 16, the 11 disciples were on their way to Galilee headed for the mountain that Jesus has set for their reunion. The moment they saw him, they worshipped him. Some, though, held back. They weren't sure about worship, about risking themselves totally. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and he said, he gave this charge. He said, God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life. In the way of life, before it was called Christianity, and it was called the way. Following Christ was called the way. He said, in this way of life, mark them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all that I have commanded you. And he says this, I'll be with you as you do this. Day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. Will you pray with me over this word today? Lord, we thank you so much. Thank you that we can just call on you, talk to you, be near you. And I thank you that you speak to us today through your word. I pray, God, that your word would leap off this page and leap right into our hearts. That this word would be a a spark of fire in our souls, Lord. And it would stir us. It would challenge us. It would convict us. It would move us forward with your will and your purpose in our life. Lord, help me to speak what you have. Fill my mouth, my heart, Lord. Nothing less and nothing more than your word to help bring edification and strength to your people and glory to your name. In Jesus' name, everybody can say amen. This is the way we describe this value of being Great Commission focused. It says we value leading people into a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. As a church, we are people who engage our community, our country, and our world with the mission of Jesus as we are mobile in our faith. We champion the public mark of water baptism in a believer's life, giving public witness of faith in Jesus. So this charge that Jesus came to give His disciples after his resurrection and before his ascension to heaven, has a whole lot of weightiness to it. It's, Jesus says, 
they came to this mountain. They came to meet him where he said to show up. And some of them were unsure about what was next. Could they really embrace what was coming? And others in that group, they just went all in with it. And he said, listen, I'm calling you to go. I'm calling you to go out into this world. I'm calling you to go with your life. You don't need a title. You don't need a position. You don't need a degree to do this. You just need to love me. And as you love me, I'm asking you to go and tell others about me and show others the way. Take the time to train them. Take the time to teach them. Take the time to build relationship with people. And listen, you don't do this all by yourself. I am with you. And I'm going to be with you all the way until the very end until I return. I'm going to be with you all the way. So this great commission that we've been given by Jesus is how we reach the world for Christ. It's how we disciple people. It's how we train people. It's the mark of baptism on their life, a public witness that they, are, they have decided, I will follow Jesus. And so this great commission is not necessarily, it's not a job per se, it's not a career, it's, it's a calling as Christians. We are called and invited and charged to go in the authority of Christ to be witnesses for him, to be people who can share God and to share his love and to be a voice to others in this world. And he tells them, I am with you. And I want to talk to you about that today. Here in a second, we're going to look at John 17. The title of today's message is, Let's Go. Let's Go. One of the common phrases I use when I'm rounding up my kids in the morning to get ready to head out for school is I say, all right, gang, let's go. That's one of the final things I say before we head out the door. All right, gang, let's go. They mean, that means it's time to leave, and it also means I am going with you. And the same, Christ says, church, it's time. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go out into this world. Let's go to our workplace. Let's go into our school. Let's go into the park. Let's go into the grocery store. Let's go to the restaurant. Let's go to the street. Let's go wherever our feet will take us. Let's go. And he says, I am with you. Be willing to live your life in a way that brings glory to God and helps point people to Jesus. In short, that's what that's saying. That we don't just get our heaven-bound ticket punched and wait for the glory-bound train to pick us up one day. And meanwhile, we're just on this earth twiddling our thumbs, sitting on our hands, and doing nothing. It means we are called to, to bring glory to God with how we live our life and to help point people to this Christ, to Jesus, our Savior, the Savior of the world that he has given us this mission that we are called to live life in a way that makes an impact for Jesus. It makes a big difference on the meaning of life and why we're on this planet. Why does God put us here? Why are we here? We all have a mission from the Lord, and that is to make an impact for Jesus in someone else's life and to continue to look for opportunities to make a difference for Christ in someone else's life. You know, before the Great Commission was given, the word church only appeared a couple of times. After Jesus gave the Great Commission, and you move forward throughout the New Testament, you begin to see the word church appears over 70 times. 
that, that implies to you and I that we exist as a church because of the Great Commission and also to fulfill the Great Commission. We exist as a church because of it and to also fulfill it. In John 17, in John chapter 17, we looked at the beginning of this last week. It's a prayer of Jesus. He had been spending all this special time with his disciples, preparing them for his upcoming passion of going to the cross and dying, but on the third day to be resurrected and then ultimately to ascend into heaven and sit at the right hand of the throne of God where he will forever make intercession for us. And he was preparing them, and he stops to pray this prayer. It's a lengthy prayer in John 17. The whole chapter is a prayer of Christ, where he prays really to um, that his followers would actively and genuinely and um, willingly go out and live this life that we've been given to not only bring him glory, but to help point people to him but to help point people to him. And so there's, we're going to look at three parts of this prayer today about how his, this prayer points really to the Great Commission and it shows why the Great Commission is so great and why we need to be focused on it. Let's look at the first one. It's verse 7 and 8. And I'm reading these out of the message translation. I appreciate Kaylee taking the time to translate these over and get them right for us. Thank you so much. Verse 7, in John 17, Jesus is praying, Father, they know now, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that everything you gave me is firsthand from you. For the message, say the message, for the message you gave me, I gave them, and they took it, and they were convinced that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. The message you gave me, Jesus says, I am giving them to the disciples. The reason the Great Commission is so great and we need to focus on it is because it's got a great message. It's got a great message. And the message is about this Christ Jesus who is so great. Look at how what Paul talks about in Colossians 1 out of the Passion Translation. He just goes on his tear of just talking about the greatness of Jesus. And man, if I, I'd love to just... In my days, every single one of my days, I'd love to be able to just talk about the greatness of Jesus and not let the, the, the crap of life, can I say it that way, get to me. Can I just be real with you? Look at what he says in verse 15. He, Jesus is the divine portrait. Look at that. The true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. Look at the life of Jesus. Look at how he took time with people. Look how he loved them. Look at how he healed them. Look how he cared for them. The only people that Jesus really ticked off was not the people who were lost. It was the people who were religious. The people who thought they had it all together. The people who thought, man, I crossed all my T's, I dotted all my I's, and I got it all going on. And he's like, no, you don't. Let me flip this table. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. Verse 16, in him, in Jesus, was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm, the earth, all that is seen, all that is unseen. Every seat of power, realm of government, principality, and authority, it all exists through him and for his purpose. The highest ranking official on this planet pales in comparison to Jesus' authority over all the universe. You see, kings don't like to bow to other kings. Kings like to show up other kings. But Jesus, no, he rode in on a donkey. And he showed the world, 
I don't, I'm not like you. I run this thing, y'all, but I don't have to promote it. I don't have to, I don't have to flaunt it because I'm the only one going to the cross, going to the grave, and going up to heaven, and I'm calling all world to myself, and I oversee all of it. This whole thing was created through me. Jesus exists, and he is above all things. Verse 17, he existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. Y'all, our life finds completion in Christ. Our, our, our life finds meaning and purpose in Christ. He holds our life together. Verse 18, he is the head of the body, which is his church, and since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir and resurrection, he is the most exalted one. And he holds first place in everything. You see, when we put Jesus first, he holds life together. Doesn't mean we won't go through some stuff. Doesn't mean we won't be challenged by life and by people. But he will keep it. He will hold us. He will see us through if we make him and keep him first. Verse 19, God, satis- God is satisfied to have all, the, all his fullness dwelling in Christ. God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. His love, his plan, and his purpose for you and me is found in Jesus. It's found, do you want to find meaning to life? Find Jesus. You want to know meaning to life? Know Jesus. That's how that works. And he unlocks it all and opens it up in verse 20. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. In Christ Jesus, Jesus restores our life to its original intent. Our original intent go all the way back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And that is to walk with God and to work with God in the image and likeness of God with a relationship with God. That's, that's where it's, it all boils down to that. Our original intent is to walk walk with God, to work with God, to be in a relationship with God in His image and in His likeness. Jesus restores all of that in us all the way back to our original intent. God's original intent when He made humanity was to walk with Him and to work with Him, to be created in His likeness and in His image, to be in relationship with Him. Verse 21, even though you were once distanced from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he took the time to reconnect you back to himself. When we were acting a fool up in here, Jesus took the time to reconnect us back to himself. Verse 22, he released his supernatural peace through his sacrifice as the sin payment on your behalf so that you could dwell in his presence. We get to come into his presence today at any given time. We call on the name of the Lord because Jesus paid that price for us. Jesus paid that price for us. And now there's nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you holy, flawless, and restored. When God looks at you through Jesus, he sees you holy, flawless, and stored. Not jacked up, not jerked up, not messed up, not bent, not broken, not ashamed, but he sees you holy and flawless and restored. That's what Jesus does for us. That's why the message is great, because Jesus is great, and the message is about this great Jesus. Verse 23, if indeed you continue to advance in faith, in other words, you keep growing in God, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon, 
He tells us this, never be shaken from the hope of the gospel. Never be shaken from the hope of the message. Never be shaken from this because this is good news. And he said, this is the news I go and preach all over the world. Why? Because Jesus, this great commission is great because we've been given a great message from Jesus. And this great message is about this great Jesus. Question, how great is Jesus in your life? How great is Jesus in your life? He's not a, a golden lampstand that you, that you rub and hope he pops out and grants all your, your wishes. How great is Jesus in your life? Think about that. The Great Commission, the reason we need to focus on it and go with it is because we've been given a great message. Number two, verse 18 in John chapter 17, Jesus continues his prayer. And he prays, in the same way that you gave me a mission, can you say mission? Come on, let's hear you say mission. In the same way that he gave you, that, that, that you gave me a mission in the world, Jesus prays, he says, I give them a mission in the world. I'm consecrating myself for their sake so they'll be truth consecrated in their Mission. The Great Commission is great not only because it's a great message, but also because it is a great mission. It is a great mission. The mission is great because the mission is all about pointing people to Jesus and helping them to connect with Him and grow in their relationship and their purpose with Him. I love this story in Acts 8. It's going to be on the screen for you to look at. In Acts 8, there's a story about Philip. The church had been birthed. Persecution quickly came, and it scattered the believers. Philip was scattered. He was walking with the Lord. He was walking in a relationship with God. And Philip is following the Lord. And Philip doesn't have... He was one of the original people that, in around chapter 6, that talks about where they... The church was growing so fast, they couldn't meet all the needs at once, and so they appointed deacons at that time and, and people to serve in these different roles. Then persecution hit, and the, and the church was scattered abroad. And Philip finds, crosses path with this Ethiopian eunuch. And this Ethiopian eunuch is really wealthy, and he has a really high-ranking authority in Ethiopia as the treasurer for the Ethiopian queen named Candace. And this eunuch travels from Ethiopia to Jerusalem because it said he wants to go worship God. He's a foreigner. He's a Gentile. He's a eunuch. The law says in Deuteronomy that those kind of people will not be allowed to enter the temple. So he would have been, he would have been told to leave and you can't enter because you're a Gentile and you're a eunuch. But nonetheless, he still goes. He travels 2,100 miles over several weeks, all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. That's a long ways to go. That's somebody who's, who's serious about wanting to, to connect and worship God. Well, he, he's leaving Jerusalem on his way to head back to Ethiopia, and he had bought the scroll of Isaiah. That would have cost quite a bit of money according to some scholars. That would have cost him a lot, but he had it. He paid the price for it. And he was trying to read the scroll. And look at, let's pick up in verse, uh, Kaylee, let's pick up in verse uh, 28 of Acts 8. 
said, This Ethiopian was now returning, seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over, walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over, heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, How can I? Unless someone instructs me. And he urged Philip, Hey, come up into this carriage and sit with me. So that's what Philip did. And the passage of Scripture he had been reading was this. Out of Isaiah it said, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. That was a prophetic word Isaiah gave about the coming Messiah. Verse 34 says, The eunuch then asked Philip, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So, the beginning, so beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. I love this story because it talks about an ordinary person, Philip, taking the time to fulfill the Great Commission. And there goes the plane. It, it's, a, it's a cool story because it shows us some things that I think we can, we can draw some guidance from. It said, first, Philip was led by the Holy Spirit, so Philip had an engaging relationship with God. And the Lord told him, go over to that by that carriage. And he walked beside that carriage. Shows us part of fulfilling and walking in the Great Commission is that we take the time to walk with others. We take the time to walk with others. Then it said that Philip was invited and he sat with him. It shows us that we walk in the fulfilling of the Great Commission when we take time to sit with others. When we take time to sit with others. Then he listened to this man. We can work at fulfilling the Great Commission when we take the time to listen to other people. And then he talked with him. Took the time to talk with him. And then it led to this eunuch wanted to be baptized. And Philip got that chance and Philip baptized him. I want you to think about this story. I want you to think about life. I want you to think about people that God keeps putting in your path. Maybe always there are people in your path that you see on a, re- on a repeating basis. Or those moments in life where it just someone we may only see once or an occasion. But think about how can God... Use your life with the people He keeps putting in your path. Do we take the time to walk with others? Or are we so quick to to be in our hurry in life in general? Do we take the time to sit with others? Do we engage in conversation? Do we ask someone how they're doing more than we want them to ask how we're doing? 
Do we take the time to consider? This was a eunuch. This was a Gentile. Philip took the time to walk beside this man's carriage. It must have been a nice one because he was the treasurer from Ethiopia. And then he was invited to sit with him, and he listened to him. How many times do we go through life not listening to others? That we're so caught up on wanting others to listen to us. And then Philip talked to him. Philip took the time to talk to this man. Now, this all happened in a moment. And just a, in just a matter of a few minutes of time transpired. But I think it's a snapshot, a picture of what our life can look like if we ask God, God, open my eyes to the people in my path. You see, preachers... Pastors, apostles, evangelists, all those people are not the only ones called to do this thing. Jesus gave the charge of the Great Commission to the non-spiritual elite, to the non-titled ones. He gave this charge to go into the world, to walk with people, to sit with people, to listen to people, to talk with people and to share the message of Christ with people. You see, we have this life, and it seems to go by so fast. It goes by really quick. It goes by super fast. Like, we'll be out of here in a little bit, be gone, be on our way with our Sunday. God is inviting us and God is charging us to slow down, to take the time to see people in our path. This unit goes back to his country, shares the message of Christ. 300 years later, Ethiopia adopts Christianity as its native religion. Who who did that? Some dude named Philip. 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 Some dude named Todd. Took the time. Some dude. Named Ethan took the time. Some gal named Jesslyn took the time. Think about it. Changed the whole nation because he walked, sat with, listened to talked with a few minutes. I'm not implying that everybody we meet, we build a lifelong relationship with. Okay, I get that. God gets that. But there are people that he will put in our path that he's called you and I to do, to talk to, to engage. You don't need a theology degree to talk Jesus with somebody. Now, it wouldn't hurt to actually read God's word and know what it says, all right? Because that's the message, and the message is Christ, and that message about Christ is great. 
how great is Christ in your life. Talk about that. Just talk about how great Christ is. And the message is, the Great Commission is great. Lastly, verse 24 through 26, Jesus goes on to pray. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am. I want them to see my glory, the splendor you gave me. Having loved me long before there ever was a world, I want them to see that and know that. Father, the world has never known you, but I have known you. And these disciples know that you sent me on this mission. And here it is. I have made your very being known to them. Who you are, what you do, and I continue to make it known so that your love for me might be in them. God's love for his son. James talked about this a couple of weeks ago in in the kingdom-minded part about identity. God loves Jesus just like he loves us. That your love for me might be in them exactly as I am in them. He said, I have made this known this ministry of making your love known for them. The Great Commission is great. We need to be focused on it because it's a great ministry. Now, don't let the word ministry freak you out. We're all called to the ministry, every single one of us, because the word ministry is translated service. We're all called to serve other people. We were born and created to serve God and serve others. That's what ministry means. Jesus saves our souls, but then he gives us a mission, a message, and a ministry. You serve him on your job. You serve him in your school. You serve him in your home. You serve him in this community. You serve him wherever you go. We're called to be people who serve others to help them know that they can be rejoined with God through Christ Jesus. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. I don't have time to go through it at this moment, but 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20, you can read it. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20, you can look it up. It talks about the ministry of reconciliation that we are ambassadors, that we have it on the highest authority, the, the authority of Christ to represent Jesus on this planet. Friends, you and I have the greatest power in our life. We have the greatest power and the greatest authority ever to be given to us, and that is by Jesus himself. That's what he told his disciples in Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me to go into this world. Friends, you and I have all the power we need to live a life of godliness for Christ Jesus. And we have all the power we need by the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of Christ upon us to be ambassadors for him. We don't need all the recognition. We don't, pe- we don't need people to get our autographs. We just need people to see Christ Jesus in us and how we live our life and what we do with our life. We are called to this thing together. The Great Commission is great and it's good, great to be focused on because it has a great message. It has a great mission and it has a great ministry and you and I are called to that ministry together. How can God better use our life on this earth moving forward? You and I don't know how many more days ahead we have left. We don't know if Christ will return first or we'll go to him first. We don't know, but I want to know this. I want, I want it to be said about me that whenever, whichever one happens first, that man, that dude gave his all for Christ. He didn't, he, he wasn't a joke. He was sincere. He was real. Oh, he had his issues. His wife will testify to that, and his kids will talk about that. But he loved Christ. There was no doubt the trajectory of his life was heaven. The trajectory of his life was Jesus. And he did all he could do to tell others and to show others and to love others and to serve others and to help point people to Jesus with his life. 
How I do it and how you do it may not look the same, but the results will be the same. The results will be the same. We are called to this thing. I want to show you guys a video. It's just two and a half minutes of the Super Bowl last week. No, I'm kidding. It's not the Super Bowl. But I referenced this story last week, and it's continuing to go on. It's, called, it's, it's about the Asbury College Revival in Kentucky. It's two and a half minute video. Take a look at this testimony real quick. We've been crying out for a revival in our city. We've been learning about revival, but I've never seen it. I didn't even know it was real. I'm like, I'm just sitting in class and they're telling us all these stories on college campuses and then going across the nation. And we're like, where, when is this going to happen? And then they lock you in a prayer room and you're just like, hey, you got to ask for it. And we're just sitting there like, God, I'm asking. What, what does it look like? And then all of a sudden, my friend Jaden says, dude, if Jesus just localized himself and just sat his throne in a room, how could we not drive six and a half hours to go see yeah. And we get here. And we get here. And it was like complete. We get here at like 6 a.m. And it's completely silent. And I'm like, well, um, is this revival, God? And we walk upstairs because we're kind of nervous. We're like kind of shaking already. We didn't get any sleep. Just they're terrible road trip partners. They both fell asleep. I drove most of the way. But besides that, we go upstairs and there's people like sleeping. And we're like, so this is revival, God? No. Cool. This, this is awesome. And then chapel starts. And immediately we just see people flooding in. And God said, revival isn't hype. It's ordinary people who are hungry. It's ordinary people who are hungry. And he said, Gage, I'm going to need you to go to the altar. And I'm like, I don't want to go to the altar. (laughs) And he's like, go to the altar. And I go to the altar and worship starts. And he's like, this is revival. Look left. And I look left. And there's this young college woman getting prayed over by an older woman. And he says, look right. And then there's this young guy praying over an older guy. And he says, look behind you. And everyone's just raising their hands. And he said, Gage, this is revival. It isn't hype. It's ordinary people crying out for a move of God in our generation. And I'm here to talk to everybody in this room who is hungry. What an honor. What an honor it is to be here. Revival's real. It isn't just a story we've heard about. It's come. And it's not just come here today, but it's about to spread out to the nations. It's about to spread out to the United States. And I'm here to talk to every young person in this room. I just gave my life a year and a half ago to Christ, and it has been the greatest thing I have ever done. I left everything, and I'm here to talk to every young person in this room. Forget the job, forget the girl, forget the guy, forget everything. He's worthy, he's worthy, and I'm here. And I'm just saying, oh, it's such an honor. If you don't feel that joy inside of you, I don't know what's going on. It's real. Amen. I love you guys. Ordinary people hungry for a move of God. Come on, on your feet today, church. Come on, hey, on your feet today. I'm not trying to recreate Asbury. I'm not trying to recreate last week if you were here. But when you find a good swimming hole, you just kind of want to keep going back to it. 
When you find a good place to fish, you just want to go back to that same place and fish. When you find the spot in the woods where all the deer or turkey exist and you can have them for miles on end, you just kind of want to keep going back to that place. And friends, I want to tell you today, God's calling us to go back to that place. He wants us to go back to that place. Acts 1 says, the apostles returned to, the, to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, about a half mile walk. They arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. They all met together, constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. And it was about this time there were 120 believers who were together in that one place. And then what happens next is God's Spirit is poured out in chapter 2 as it's marked for our noting. And the church was set on fire people gave their lives to Christ that first day, 3,000. Friends, the fuel to our ability to go into the world does not lie only on our ability to read and study the Word. That has its place. Our fuel to go into the world for Christ does not lie on our ability to be able to talk eloquently and well-spoken and enunciate everything properly and be perfect in our thinking and in our walking and in our talking. The world wants to see real, ragged, raw people who aren't perfect, but they know where perfection exists, and that is in Christ and in Christ alone. And the fuel to our ability to go is in our willingness to draw near to Jesus. And so today, as we wrap up this service, I'm opening up the altar again. And I just want to tell you, I don't know how else to do this, but to say, if you want more of Jesus and you want to walk more sure of your calling and your purpose for your life, then I must invite you forward. Make a move and tell God, I'm sincere. Hey, I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to walk from the back of the room. I'm going to jack up the whole service with camera flow and everything else. The the aisle is wide. And I'm saying, I need more of him. I want more of him. I want to be more assured of him. I want to walk greater in his power and his love and his compassion and his mercy and his kindness and his gentleness. I just need more of him. So will you join me if you want more of him? and you want to walk greater in who he's called you to be and you don't get caught up in all the junk of life but you let that fall off and you let the glory of the Lord hit you and fall on you and you walk worthy of your calling in Christ.